Hello, my name is Scott. You're listening to The Joys of Teaching Literature. We're here to talk about all things teaching high school English. <clears throat> so this is uh, my last day of professional development or in-service, what do you want to call it, um, at school. And we're starting on uh, Tuesday. So I've been trying to think about uh, different things <laughs> that's going to relate to our you know, future challenges of this year, especially this year, I think. Um, a lot of people <laughs> in the past couple of days at work were saying that last year was the worst year they ever had. So <laughs> trying, to, trying to do our best to fix that over here. The title of this one's How to Inspire Students to Love Reading, The Joy of Reading. Um, so first, if you listen to my podcast, please uh, feel free to leave me a comment or a review wherever you get your podcast. I'd really appreciate it. And um, if you want to know more about me, my website's theteachersworkshop.com. I offer online professional development for high school English teachers and general education teachers as well. So, yes, yeah, so I, I think when we think about the school year and getting excited about the school year, there's a lot to get excited about. I start my school year with conversations about the value of literature and what's the point of what we do and all these sort of philosophical conversations about space and time and history and empathy and you know, sort of feeling what another person feels and crossing consciousnesses with people and all these really exciting things that we're going to be doing throughout the school year. <laughs> we can't get to any of them <laughs> if our kids don't read. If we come to school and have all these great lesson plans, I, there's definitely ways of dealing with kids who, who don't read and setting your class up, classroom up in a way where everybody can participate regardless of whether they read or not. Um, I think because we have, and this is one of the points I'm going to kind of make, is that we have to reread in class. Um, and I think even if you, if, if they basically get the, the basic plot of the book, there's still a way where they can reread passages. They know the characters' names. They know what's going on if they're paying attention. And then they can reread pa a lot of passages. So over the course of a unit, um, I don't want to say half, you know, but I would say at least a quarter of the book, the entire book, should be reread either silently or out loud um, by our students. Or even, not even just so if you're doing presentations and you're saying, okay, this group presents on these passages, these group, this group presents on these passages. Yeah, for the most part, even when they're, especially when they're presenting, actually, because no one else has read that passage that they're presenting on, right? I'm just saying, look at chapter 13 or page 14 or whatever, and uh, look at this passage and present on it. You really want to make sure that that's read out loud in class because nobody else has, has looked at that passage. If you're doing, you know, one handout where everybody goes through the same passages, um, and they're reading those passages silently and independently. It's not always that necessary to read it out loud, but but the rereading is definitely happening. So they read it. They're supposed to read it once on their own at home, but then they they're also rereading it in, in class. So I'll get to that. But you know, there's, so there's my point is there's different ways of dealing with the, when kids don't read. But really, it's not there's not much we can do. Um, we just I just sat through professional development about social emotional learning and all the different things that could be going on at home that would prevent a child from from getting their work done and I, I talk about this a lot and I want to say almost every podcast but whenever I'm talking about homework I'm talking about home right that's a half of the word homework the other half is really when you think about the word homework it's maybe we should think of another term but people will probably be upset because we're not saying what it is but you think about it it's a terrible word homework like what um 
And so, uh, but yeah, so I, like whenever, whenever you're dealing with a child's home space, you know, that's what we, when we hand a book out in class, we're just saying, hey, we go, go home and read this novel. You know, that's a, it's a lot. And if we get frustrated that kids aren't reading the book, there are a lot of good reasons why a kid wouldn't read a book um, at home. And so we have to sort of think about that and think about what we can do. We have to do the, our best. You know, there's, I think we can throw up our, our hands in the air and say, you know, whatever. You know, kids are lazy or kids cheat and they're dishonest and don't read the book or whatever. We, you know, we can, and to some extent it, you know, a lot of, a lot of what happens to a child is on the child, but we still have to do the best we can to, to make the circumstances, you know, to be extreme, we'll take a, a teacher A who gets all their kids to read. They read every single page of every novel that, that happens over the course that they assign over the course of the year. Teacher B, the other extreme, doesn't get any kids to read any of the books. And and so, right, there, there are those, te- those two teachers that exist out there somewhere. And so obviously teacher A is doing something, you know, and this is what we're trying to figure out, to get all their kids to read. And I'm not sitting here saying that 100% of my kids read all of the novels that I read. Uh, but over the years, you, you, you know, you know who's read the book. Um, and that happens in the conversation. And you don't always know. You don't always know 100%. And I say you know who's read, but at the same time, I'm going to say the opposite. Some kids can roll in there and talk about, you know, they can read spark notes and, and talk like they read the book when they haven't. Or they can reread the passages that, we, that you're assigning in class and sound like they know what they're talking about. Um, so you don't always know. And whatever assignment, what I've discovered is that any assignment that I give, whether it be a quiz or whatever it is, um, they're always able to find a way to, to to work the system, however you want to call that. You call it cheating or, you know, finding some way of demonstrating to you that they read the book when they really didn't. I mean, there's some ways of knowing. So over, my point is that over the years, though, you 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 sort of tweak things to, to, to you know, have a, a – a culture in your class, you know, where it's sort of fun and, and it's doable. It's a doable thing to read a whole novel at home. Um, so that's basically what we're thinking about. And, you know, I think that the key thing here is not just <laughs> like some kind of, you know, CEO of a company. We're gonna like, we just got to get these kids to read. It's not what it's about. In the end, it's about how do we get kids to love reading? Because if we can get kids to love reading, then we don't have to like find all these tricks to force kids, essentially, right, to read. We want them just to to really want to read, and that's going to be the the thing that helps them in life, not just in, in your class, um, but in life. And so that's what we have to try to figure out is how do we get them to actually enjoy the process of reading? Of course, we're not going to be able to reach all our students. Uh, not all kids, people like to read, but they should. <laughs> they really should. And it's really important that they do because of the world that we live in. We want to be educated and, and go beyond just headlines of the news or whatever sort of good reading exists online. There's not that much. Books are better than little articles online you know you can argue wikipedia gets you started but if you really want to sort of dive deep in something you got to read the book and there's writers that that take the reality and history and and put it all together in a way that 
that communicates something, right? And novelists do that. Nonfiction writers do that. We want readers. <laughs> I, can, I can go on and on about that. But that's what we want is somebody to, to enjoy reading. Doesn't feel pressured by a, you know, a deadline that's two weeks after we got, they got the novel. Like, how am I going to read this novel in two weeks? I'm just not going to read it. Why would I read it? They got two weeks. <laughs> it's not going to happen, right? So we have to like think about all these different things. Um, before we hand out our first novels. So the first thing I already kind of talked about is reading out loud. So in my class, we, we almost always read a passage out loud before interpreting what it means. I'll ask for a volunteer. Of course, not all students are comfortable reading out loud. And sometimes I'll read if it's a passage that is really funny or the person's really angry or if it's something that we're going to do close reading. I will read it myself because I, you know, that way I can demonstrate the importance of slowing down, pausing, so the peak, the characters can, you know, that you're sort of showing that the characters are reflecting on something, but also students like the pause because they can think about what the person said, increases suspense, uh, I can increase the volume, again, if I'm angry, I'm going to yell, that sort of thing, to kind of live, making the class lively, uh, basically to read the words with the tone of the emotion behind them, and, and when they hear that, it's like watching Shakespeare for the first time. You're like, oh, that's how it sounds, right? And so that's our job in the classroom is to, to help them understand what it sounds like so that they can see that these aren't just words on a page. These are, these are characters that are full of emotion saying these words. Um, and the narrator has this all this sort of feeling about what's going on. Um, and reading it with that feeling is important because it makes the text come alive. Otherwise, the text just letters on a page um you know we want them to to make that we want to make the book as real as possible as if this these these words were actually spoken out loud in reality and by obviously the best way to do that is to speak them out loud um it's easier for students to understand comedy or absurdity uh, if they can hear it you know if somebody's being sarcastic even something like that right you can hear that when you read it out loud but you're not always going to understand that when you read it in a book so it really really helps to read it out loud too often students basically speed read, right? They just want to get the information about the plot, um, and they miss the power of the words. Reading dialogue, too. Think about that, right? Dialogue is dialogue. It's <laughs> what the person's saying out loud. Um, and so that sort of exchange allows students to understand the how the characters react to each other in a conversation, and that helps for comprehension, too. Students can easily hear the anger, joy, frustration, or disappointment in a voice, but not always on the page. All right, so the second thing is to think about <laughs> what you're going to have them read. This is this is a huge conversation that I actually covered in another podcast where I went through all the books that I've, I've read in my my oh, that I've taught, not that I've read, <laughs> uh, but that I've taught in my career, and I just made a huge list out of it and made different suggestions for what we teach. This is something something that that's out of our control, uh, but we should rethink the curriculum every year. That might be unpopular opinion because it's a lot of work to rethink the curriculum and it's a lot of work to put a, a, a lesson plan or a unit plan together on a novel. You don't know if the kids are going to like it or not. Uh, there's just a lot of, and you always have to, you, of course, the biggest thing is you always have to replace something. So like, oh, what am I going to not teach instead of, right, um, what am I going to replace this with? Um, what, you know, you got to think about what books do the majority of students dislike? That's <laughs> not whether we like it, it's whether they dislike it. Now, you know, our, our 
understanding of the greatness of a book obviously is very important. And, you know, a student like Shakespeare is a good example, or Jane Austen is another good example. They don't really like it while they're reading it, but then they come to love it after they study it. So there's a certain, under, there's a certain right, value in how, what we think of a book. So it, it, we don't ha- it doesn't have to be one or the other. We can teach books that both we love and they love. But a book shouldn't stay in the canon, right, if, if people don't like it year after year. And they're saying they don't like a book. And like, all right, I think this kind of belongs in the canon for X, Y, and Z reasons. But then, th- then the question becomes, should it just be in the col- college curriculum and not a high school curriculum? Um, this, again, this is, these are all challenging kind of questions to ask. What newer texts, including poems, essays, and short stories, might st- students love? Uh, what podcasts or videos might be considered literary? Uh, however, there should always be a place for texts that students might not l- read at first. But gr- this is what I'm kind of saying is that they, they grow to appreciate uh, once they study. Uh, you know, like the way that I get them into Austin is by showing clips in the movie Clueless. And once they see Clueless, they're like, oh, yeah, this is the weird world of Austin. It's, it's very similar to the world we live in. It's actually the same exact thing. Um, and then it doesn't, then they, it's not absurd. It's, right, the dancing and the balls. Like, all that happens today just in a, in a different, with a different set of etiquette. Um, all right, and then another thing, to, especially thinking about the beginning of the year, this is a conversation I have in the first week or two, some point in the first week. Usually when I give out the first novel, actually when I hand out the novel for sounds, all right, let's talk about reading. Let's talk about where and when we read. Um, it's, not, it's something that we don't do enough. And actually my, pro, my school has a fantastic program where uh, freshmen, it's called Freshman Seminar. And uh, I think <laughs> I volunteered to do it, so I should know. But uh, basically, it's like have teachers volunteer to talk to students about general academic like habits, um, things to do, how to email teachers, uh, things to be mindful of going into high school that makes it different from, say, middle school. It's fantastic because they have this whole list of like things that you could say. But really, there's as a teacher, there's so many things that you want to tell freshmen, and you don't necessarily want it to be coming from the teacher because they're just like your teacher, <laughs> and you think that their rules are like whatever. But then when you hear from a different teacher, and I teach seniors, and they're like listening to a senior teacher, uh, it's just a really valuable thing. And one thing that I talk about is how to study, um, and that's not something that that. I don't. I feel like we talk about it enough. I think we just assume that kids know how to study. They know how to take notes, um, and so yeah. I think the first thing is where students read. Not every student has a, has a quiet, well lit space to read at home. Of course, if they do, it's like yes, don't read in your bedroom. It's you associate it with sleep. Try to find a well lit space. A very you just need a very small space with a little, just like a desk you have in in a, in a classroom that doesn't have your phone there that's very very important because um, kids will say like, oh, I spent three hours on this like, well <laughs> was that three uninterrupted phone free hours <laughs> or was it right I'm gonna do something and stop every 15 seconds to check what's going on online and conversation too right these kids houses if you talk to them you'll find out they have a, there's a lot of people in there they have a lot of siblings cousins um, they're just their family in general. 
Uh, they don't, they, or they share a room with their sibling, you know, that sort of thing. Uh, so just thinking about trying to get them to find a quiet, well-lit space. Um, also when, so if they are playing a lot of sports or they got a lot of activities going off their school, if they, if they work after school, they're probably just like us. They're probably tired. <laughs> it's just ridiculous. Think about it. if somebody were to say to you after we're teaching a long day at school, hey, I want you to go home and do these very specific things. And if you don't, there's going to be a punishment involved. You're like, okay, <laughs> right? Um, early in my career, I took a lot of work home. Um, but it wasn't necessarily because somebody made me. It's because I cared about teaching. And I just took the work home because... I wanted to be good at teaching, you know, and there's just like a lot of things that you have to sort of do in your first year, like lesson plan and read the novels and that sort of thing uh, that take up time. You know, now I don't have to spend as much time lesson planning. Uh, and when I do, it's awesome because it's creative because I've been doing, you know, these lessons year after year and I can decide which ones to get rid of and that sort of thing. Uh, but you know, think about it. We're asking them to go home and read a novel. <laughs> like I say, it's like a Virginia Woolf book, right? It's going to be hard. It's a, reading is a mentally tax, taxing activity and requires a lot of mental attention and energy. So it's not, you know, we get really angry. Oh, I didn't read the book. It's like, well, you know, I asked you to take a book home after you had a huge meal, you know, and you're exhausted after a long day of work. And oh, yeah, you didn't read the book because you had like a lab coming up or you had another test um, or you had parents, come, you know, your family come into town over the weekend when you thought you were going to get time to read. Um, so I have one, the way I assign my reading is that I, I, I just have one due date and I say read the book by this, the entire book by this date. So that way it, they can look at their schedule. Um, they can, and I, I actually think it's, it's bad for them to read every night. <laughs> it's going to sound crazy, right? But if we read, like, what if I were to read 15, 20 minutes a night, and, you know, I'll do that for pleasure, of course, right? In the, riding in the car or, you know, at home. But I, but I prefer to read for three, four hours at a time because then I can, like, really understand how the characters are connected. When I read 15 minutes a night, I forget who's who. I forget what happened because you, your memory, you know, you have that whole day of, of experiences that sort of interrupt your memory of what's going on with the characters. So it's really, when you think about why a student you know, first of all, not all students are really good readers, right? They take a long time to read some of our students. Um, and and on top of that, you have this scheduling of sections of a book to read. It's just terrible. Um, and they're trying to do it at night when they're tired. Of course, some kids aren't. When you think, when you really think about it, it's kind of understandable that the kids don't read the book. Um, you don't get mad anymore when you realize, like, how difficult it is. Um but if, but if you have one due, I have one due date, they can look at their schedule and say, all right, well, I have this weekend free. Let me just try to get most of it out of the way. I'm not going to do a, a you know, chemistry lab or whatever on a Saturday morning. Nobody wants to do that on a Saturday morning. But reading a novel on a Saturday morning, a Sunday morning, or you know, in the afternoon when nothing's going on, that's a different story. That's fun. That's, an ex that's a pleasurable experience. That's what we want. Again, we want them to love reading, not just like, got to get to page 45 by tonight, or I got this pop quiz coming in the morning. It's like, no, you just, I just have one due date. And then they take notes while they read the book. They don't have to take, they don't have to take the notes while they read the book. They can take notes after they read the book. They can take notes after they read the chapter, right? And that way they don't have to break their reading up Boy, if they want to do that, they can. If they like reading a little bit every night and that's how they get it done, that's fine too. 
you know, because maybe they have a they have to travel over the weekend. So like, you know what, I'm going to kind of break it up over the weekend. Um, you know, but either way, it's important to think about all of this. I tell them, um, you know, this is this is another thing, right? When I I tell them, I always tell them the story of when I was in college. You know, my house, the house I lived in, especially my senior year, but just throughout, you know. I mean, sometimes you study together with people and that helps. But um, I went to the library all the time because I had to read novels. And right? it wasn't, you were, I'm not collaborating on anything. I just needed to read a book or write an essay. It's a lot of independent work. Sometimes I would study, you know, go over the cha- you know, chapters or something, characters. Um, but for the most part, it was a lot of independent work. So I'd go to the library because it was completely, you know, distraction free. I actually remember, <laughs> I always tell them the story is, I heard, uh, I forget where I heard it, but this, this one kid would uh, take water. I think I saw it like online. The kid would take water and just splash it all over his pants before he sat down at the library. And then that would force him to do work until his pants dried because he couldn't like stand up and look like he peed himself or whatever. Um, and so that's that's kind of the way these kids got to think about. Like, what can I do? <laughs> I'm going to throw water on myself, but what can I do to, you know, find a place yeah maybe maybe they can drive if they're a senior but but maybe their parents are totally willing to drive them to the local library because you know it's a short distance from their home or they know they're going to be doing work you know parents will will take that opportunity up like oh you're going to go do work at the library because you know i'll keep you you know keep the phone in the car i'll get to you and get back that sort of thing um so maybe they are willing to do it they just have to ask you know, so that and you have to plant that seed in their head, like, hey, why don't you ask your parents for a ride to the library? Maybe they'll actually give it to you if you have a lot of work that you got to catch up on. Um, so the next thing is you have to give them enough time to read. So I've sort of mentioned that already with my one due date, but what, you know, how 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 much time do we give? You have to look at the book, right? You got to know if it's a book that's great expectations, it's kind of easy to read, but it's long. You know, Virginia Woolf is very short but very challenging. Something like Night by Ellie Wiesel might not take that much time to read, um, right? So you have to just like know your your book and how long it's going to take to read. And I ask my students all the time, you know, how much time they need to read. And if there's, you know, I'm very aware teaching seniors that there's standardized testing, that there's, you know, different activities that come up, you know, just college stuff. Um, so you got to be aware of those sort of things that might prevent them from from getting work done um and and try to find opportunities you know if there's say there is a standardized test that the seniors don't have to take (laughs) you're like that's three days of work or three days of free time you know and that should help you out you know that sort of thing or or a spring break or that sort of thing um so yeah i mean especially if you've ever assigned independent reading in class or you just (laughs) excuse me, or you just let them read, you know that there are kids who have different reading ability levels and that some kids take a really long time. Or even if the kid who's who's like really going through the book very quickly, did they really understand it? And again, did they really appreciate it? Did they really um, get pleasure out of reading if they're reading it that fast? No. So you kind of want them to read slow, to understand it, and to really enjoy the experience of reading. Uh, so you have to give students as much time as possible to read the book and be flexible if they need more time. Uh, this might mean <laughs> taking a book out of the curriculum to make sure that, say, one unit or maybe one block of time to read a book is, say, six weeks instead of four. And it's obviously this depends on the school 
Uh, it depends where you're teaching, right? Whether the majority of kids can finish a book in a certain amount of time depends on what you're teaching. So you have to really think about like, okay, maybe I can't do 10 novels. Maybe I can only do three or four, right? You have to find the right amount of books or sometimes I'll break it up by assigning nonfiction or essays or podcasts or doing some creative project where like while we do this project in school, you're going to have more time to read at home. Um, and then there's the things that we tell them to do while they read. Sometimes a lot of te- sometimes teachers will just give quizzes because that's easy. You don't they don't have to do anything while they read. Um, quizzes I just felt like it were a total waste of class time, um, and didn't sh- really show me that a student either did or didn't read the book. So I just assigned notes. Again, my students read the entire novel independently, and so they we don't have to stop just discuss. Yeah, you know, a certain number of chapters. We discuss the entire book. I teach by topic. So we just discuss a whole topic that goes through the whole book, and then we go to the next topic. Um, I give them at least four weeks. Um, they can make their own reading schedule that way. Um, if they have, like, a tournament to plan over the weekend or anything to do, they find the time that's best for them. Uh, yeah, if you're saying, like, read up to chapter five, of course, there's going to be kids who haven't, who haven't done it because they have, like I keep describing, all these other things going on, including work in other classes. Um, or they just forgot, right? In my schedule, if you forget a day or forget two days, you can catch up later. Um, I don't give quizzes, packets, study guides. Um, I do expect them to take notes, but again, they can take notes however they'd like. It doesn't have to be while they read the book. Um, there's always a way for a student to prove that they read a book even if they didn't. Uh, so I ask them to, to do what I'd like them to do in real right, uh, real life, which is just read. And I think I always take notes, even in, even in books I'm not going to teach or I'm studying. Right, so this one I mentioned already, it's rereading in class. Let's go over this quickly. But yeah, classwork assignments should, rec- all, for me, it's all about just rereading specific sections of the text. Um, you know, so that way, when they read, they read it independently. Then they read it a second time when we read it out loud, and then when they're interpreting a passage or writing the quote down, you know, it's like another time they're kind of looking at it when they're writing an essay or doing something more formal. Uh, the process of writing out a quote is a way rereading. A student will almost never fully comprehend a challenging passage on the first read, but they will once they analyze language and interpret it in conjunction with other passages on the same topic or, or question. The next one is encouraging visualizing. I always tell my students that they'll never love to read if they don't visualize the text. In a world where kids get bombarded with quick visuals, it's important to encourage creativity. They can create that visual for themselves through the mental process of imagining a story. We'll often ask students to draw symbols or characters on paper or posters in addition to interpreting, in addition to interpreting the language of the book. It also <laughs> makes decorating the classroom cheap and easy and that's yeah the bigger the poster the better so they can cover up as much wall as you can and um yeah that's also really important uh and of course last but not least and this is kind of goes without saying is have good conversations it's really important to allow students to talk about the book and characters in a relaxed environment where they feel free to raise their hand where they know what the, you know you ask questions where almost everybody should know the answer um, what students see other students really getting interested in arguing about a book and the characters and why people are doing certain things in the book, that inspires other kids to, to pick up the book and start reading. Um, 
this means discussing as, as a class, in pairs, and in larger groups. I basically try to teach just by asking questions. You know, of course, I'm going to help interpret the book here and there. Um, but I do, I always do it in a way that opens up more conversation. I don't interpret the book ever to like close it down. I interpret the book when I teach so that I can go to some other place with the conversation. And that's an art. That's just an art. Because um, asking a good question is not easy. And, so, you know, you know it, right? Sometimes you ask a question and nobody raises their hand. And other times you ask, ask a question and everybody raises their hand. So we want to try to find good questions that get everybody uh, engaged in the conversation. And that's why also why I teach topic by topic because they can stay focused on the topic and we don't get lost and know what chapter are we in, what's the plot here. It's like we have this topic, like joy or family, uh, where we're keeping track of that. And so it doesn't really, the context matters, but not as much if you're just looking at this random isolated passage and talking about it. Because um, then you really have to talk about the context. But here you're just focused on this one idea or motif. Um, and it keeps, it helps them keep focused and keep, you know, um, stay focused on really the objective. Um, so when they think about a passage, they consider all of those passages, not just a single passage, but they think about all of the passages. So when we talk about one passage, we can talk about the five or six passages that we talked about before related to the, say, top, I'm just saying the topic of family. Um, and it, it gives that, that's context, right? You're talking about a thing that, an idea that has recurred over the course of the novel. And so that you, you already have your context, right? So that also helps students to stay focused um, and be a part of the conversation and just jump into the conversation because they're talking about family. And so it's easier just to jump in and talk about that topic than it is, you know, if you're just talking about chapter three or whatever. Um, yeah, so that's, those are, those are all my suggestions for how to get kids to love reading. And I, 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 I'm sort of not recording this podcast before the start of the year. So not just so that we can kind of have a game plan, but so that we can talk. I mean, I think it's really important to, to communicate all of what I just said um, to the student, not, not everything like rereading in class, but you know, the note-taking process, um, tips on how to read and how to be a good reader and to enjoy reading. If, you, if you're someone who does enjoy reading, pay attention, right? Because you, everybody, you should want to enjoy reading. Um, it's just a part of being an educated person, right? Um, and so, yeah, so that's, that's a big part of, I think, some of the conversations that we have at the beginning of the year. So if you enjoyed listening, please give me a review of my podcast so I can get the word out. Thank you very much.